You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, if you will. We're looking at the book of Psalms. We're looking at Psalm 119, Psalm 119, and we'll read verses 41 through verse 48. And when you arrive, if you're able... If you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And I'm just curious here tonight, Labor Day weekend, how many are going to work tomorrow? Would you raise your hand? How many are going to work tomorrow? Okay, got a few folks there. How many are not going to work tomorrow? Let's see. Okay, good, good, all right. And uh, anybody calling in sick tomorrow? You're already planning to say, hey, I'm calling in sick. And, uh, you know, I got excited and we had a few students that were exceptionally well this past week, and so we gave them all the day off. And uh, I told a few of them on the way out, I said, you know what, you've been so good today, I'm going to give you Monday off of school. And they just stared at me, like, what are you talking about? But uh, nonetheless, we have a great time there. And um, Psalm 119 and verse number 41, can we read verses 41 through verse 48 together? Ready? Begin. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty For I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. And I will meditate in thy statutes. And let's pray. Our Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. I pray you'd speak to us tonight. Uh, We are thankful that your word is quick and it's powerful. I thank you that your word has the answers. Uh, Your word has never uh, been outdated. Uh, Your word has never uh, been proven to be untrue. Your word has always uh, been faithful. Your word has always been exactly what we need. And so I pray tonight as we look at your word, may we not uh, be thinking about the cares and Uh, the burdens of this life. May we not be thinking about all the other things going on in our lives, but I pray you'd allow us for these next few moments to focus on what thus saith the Lord. Lord, you knew before uh, we were ever born, you knew we'd be in this service and you knew what we would need and you knew that your word would have the answers. And so I pray that you'd help me tonight to rightly divide the word of truth. And I pray that we would not miss uh, what you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We've been in Psalm 119 for several weeks. Last Sunday night, we covered this same uh, passage. We got through verse number 44, and uh, we talked about last Sunday night, the favor of God. Let thy mercies uh, come also unto me. Thank God for his mercy. We talked about, secondly, our foes. Verse 42, so shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. Uh, You know, sometimes we like to think of a comeback or we like to think of, you know, something smart we can say to somebody. Well, the truth is the best answer we have for our enemies is just the word of God. 
the Word of God. It is, a, it's powerful. And uh, the Word of God is the answer. But then we talked about uh, the fact. It says in verse number 41, according to thy word. Verse 42, for I trust in thy word. Uh, the fact is uh, that we have the word of God. And that ought to be our faith. Uh, we ought to trust in the word of God. Uh, it's easy to trust the Bible for somebody else's problems. Have you ever noticed that? Somebody else is going through something and you say, well, I tell you what, all things work together for good to them that love, love God, you know, and, and you ought to cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. But what about when it's our need? What about when it's our burden? That's when we find out if we really trust it or if it's just what we say. It's just kind of the, the common response to problems. Uh, well, you ought to pray about it. Well, you're right. You ought to pray about it. But I ought to pray about it, too, and not just uh, others. And then we talked about uh, the faithfulness. Verse 44 the Bible says, uh, so shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I don't want to just follow the Bible and obey the Bible for a, a, a span in my life or for a, a short period of time. I don't want it to be a, a passing fad or just a phase that I'm going through. But I want to be faithful to serve God. I'll be faithful to the word of God forever. And uh, I hope that's your desire as well. I want you to look in verse 45, and we'll see number 6 in this uh, lesson here from uh, Psalm 119, number 6. The word I want to give you is the word freedom. It says in verse 45, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. That word liberty there it literally means to the idea to walk uh, in a large place or in an open area. Uh, it's David was saying, I'm not confined, I'm not constrained, I, I'm not chained, I'm not uh, 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 restrained from anything. He said, I'm walking at liberty. He said, I'm walking in freedom, verse 45. He says, because I seek thy precepts. Can I tell you, I am thankful that we have freedom in Jesus Christ. Now, we take that for granted, obviously, so much we take it for granted. We also take for granted the fact that we have freedom in the United States of America. Uh, I'm amazed when we, we've, we've heard about in the news these last few weeks, we've heard about Afghanistan. We've heard about some of the things that take place in that place where they are under Muslim rule, where they are under the rule now of, uh, of the Taliban and uh, the ideology that they have. But friend, I don't, I don't mean to burst your bubble. I don't mean to depress you tonight. But did you know there are a lot of places in the world like Afghanistan where they don't have freedom? Uh, did you know there are places like China? Did you know that there are places like North Korea? Did you know there are places like Cuba? Did you know there are places like that all around the world, much of the Middle East? You don't have the freedom to believe what you want to believe. You don't have the freedom to go to church. You don't have the freedom to pray. You don't have the freedom to carry your Bible. But we have that freedom. And praise God for the physical freedom we have. But I also want to tell you, folks, we've got something better than that. We've got spiritual freedom. We are free in Jesus Christ. This word liberty is found in verse 45. As you see that word in the Bible, it usually refers to a prisoner or a slave who has been chained, who has been bound, but now they are set at liberty. Now 
they are free. Galatians 5, verse number 1, the Bible tells us that we should stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. I'm so glad for freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. James 1, the Bible says that we look into the perfect law of liberty. You say, wait a minute, that's contradictory. This book is called the law of liberty. But can I tell you, there is freedom in the Bible. There is freedom in Christ, not freedom that you can go out and sin and you can do all the, 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 all the terrible stuff that your flesh wants to do and say, well, I have freedom in Christ. No, you're free from sin. Not free to sin, you're free from sin. You're free from the chains that bound and you're free from the, the shackles and you're free from those things that once had control of your life. You see, Satan always brings bondage, but Jesus brings freedom. Freedom requires sacrifice. You know, and I don't have to tell you the details, but I wrote a few down just to remind us. But on September 22nd, 1862, the Emancipation Proclamation was declared by President Abraham Lincoln. That proclamation was declared that, in essence, it freed three and a half million slaves. That proclamation was made, but that proclamation did not truly take effect. And it did not truly come to fruition until the victory... And I'm going to skim over this part because I know where I am. But the victory in the Civil War by a certain side that won. But anyway, when that war was won, when that victory was declared, that in essence is what made that Emancipation Proclamation valid. It wasn't until a couple years later that the amendment uh, was added uh, to our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, actually for freedom that was guaranteed to all of our citizens. But can I tell you this? The Civil War, and I'm not here to debate with you all the reasons of the Civil War and all that. I've heard all kinds of things about the Civil War. I've had people tell me the Civil War is still going on and all that stuff. But what I am here to tell you is this, that those three and a half million slaves, they knew what it was to be in bondage. They knew what it was to be restricted. But they also knew what it was to be set free. And I want to tell you, friend, you and I have been set free by the precious blood of Christ. And freedom was not free. Freedom was paid for on an old rugged cross. I think about the freedom we have in our country. The 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, declaring our independence and declaring our freedom from Great Britain. But I remind you that freedom is not free. The conviction of those 56 signers resulted in untold sufferings for themselves and their families. Of the 56, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve of those 56 had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another two had sons who were captured. Nine of those men fought and died from wounds or hardships of war. 
Carter Braxton of Virginia, wealthy planter and trader, he saw his ships sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in poverty. You see, those signers of the Declaration of Independence, they didn't pull people off the street. They didn't just say, hey, we need 56 signatures, come sign. These were men who pledged their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor, and in most cases, they lost everything for the sake of a free nation. At the Battle of Yorktown, the British General Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home for his headquarters. Nelson told General George Washington, he said, I want you to open fire on my home. And indeed, that home was destroyed and Thomas Nelson died bankrupt. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying because he was fleeing from the British army. Their 13 children also had to flee for their lives. His fields and his mill were destroyed. For over a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning home only to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, John Hart died from exhaustion. Can I tell you, freedom is not free. And for David to say that he walked at liberty, the fact that David had freedom and the fact that David had liberty was because that freedom had been paid for. That freedom had been purchased. I understand that Jesus Christ had not yet died on the cross, but can I tell you any freedom that we have spiritually, whether it was in the Old Testament for those saints or whether it was in the New Testament or whether it's in 2021, any freedom that we have from sin and every, any freedom that we have from, from Satan, can I tell you, it's all because of the price that Jesus Christ paid for us. Can I tell you this evening, you have freedom from sin. Number one, we have freedom from the penalty of sin. Just think about what we deserve. Think about the penalty that every one of us should have to face in hell. But aren't you glad to have freedom from that penalty? When you go to sleep tonight, if you've been saved, if you've been born again, you don't have to worry about where you're going to go when you die. You don't have to worry what happens if I don't wake up. What happens if I get sick? What happens if there's a car accident? What happens if there's a heart attack? What happens if there's a stroke? What happens tomorrow? You don't have to worry about it, friend. You've been freed from the penalty of sin. I want to say as Christians, we are free from the past. Now, Satan likes to try to convince you that you still have to live in the past. But I want to tell you, the past has been covered by the blood of Jesus you don't have to live with the scars and you don't have to live with the regrets and you don't have to live with the shame and you don't have to live with all the, the what ifs and oh, if I would have done this and if I would have done this, you can be free from the past and all that you've experienced and all the things you've done that you wish you hadn't done. I'm glad there's freedom from the past. But there's freedom from the problems of the present. Now, sometimes we can get over the past, but then we say, but what about now? What about this thing that I'm dealing with? What about this problem that I have? What about this burden I'm carrying? I want to tell you, Jesus Christ, if he can give you victory over hell, and if he can give you victory over the past, he can give you victory over whatever you're going through today. There's freedom in Christ for the problems of the present. And then lastly, and I say this because I believe that this was a major theme in David's life, but can I tell you, you can have freedom 
from people. You can have freedom from people. You don't have to worry about what everybody thinks about you. You say, well, did you hear what so-and-so said about me? No, but I'm glad I know what Jesus said about me. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And you can be free from people. You say, well, who are the people that David had to deal with? Well, he had some enemies. He had a, a Philistine army that was certainly not happy with him after he killed Goliath. He had other enemies that he had to fight against, but can I tell you this? He also had some family members that were trying to kill him. He had King Saul, his own father-in-law, that tried to kill him. Uh, he had his own son Absalom that hunted him down and tried to kill him. But yet David said, I may be, I may be having all these people that don't like me and they're against me, but I'm walking at liberty. I'm walking today and I'm free. I'm free because of what God has done in my life. I debated on whether or not I would say this tonight. I wrote it down, but I wasn't sure if I would say it. But I think I will. I remember 25, I guess almost, 20, almost 25 years ago. I remember I was... Um, helping my dad. I was still in high school as a senior in high school and I was helping out some with some of the children's ministries before I went to college and I came back and every summer in my college years I got to help my dad and uh, at the church and, and work with him. But I remember and this was even before I went to college but I remember there was a time in our church where we went to the church and my mom's in um, pastor's pals, but you can ask her. She'll tell you this after the service. I, I'm not saying any, I'm not, I'm not embellishing. I guess what I'm trying to say, but the church probably on a Sunday has probably had 35 or 40 folks uh, when we first went to Geneseo and boy, God bless. And the church began to grow. And uh, within a matter of about a year or less, we were up over a hundred. We were just packed in like sardines and that little church building. And it was exciting. And I remember the week, one week, Remember where we had 40 people that left the church in a matter of a week, and they weren't, it wasn't all the same exact thing, but a lot of the reasons for it, and I'm sure there are other things, and those are wonderful people, and if I saw those people walk in today, I'd shake their hand and hug them and say, God bless you, and they're not, those weren't bad people. But can I say it like this, that uh, not this church, we want to reach as many people as we can, but this church is not for everybody. And, 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 and the reason I say that is because there are some things that we believe based upon the Word of God that we're not changing. You say we could draw a crowd. Yeah, you can draw a crowd to anything you want to. You can go start a forest fire and draw a crowd. But we're not looking to draw a crowd. We're looking to please the Lord. We're looking to be true to this book. And there were some things that those particular folks, they were not happy with. And my dad just said very kindly, he said, we're not going to change. Uh, most of those things had to do with the version of the Bible. Uh, there were people that thought we didn't have to be so strict about using the King James Bible. Isn't that amazing? That's still a battle today that some people want to fight. And uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to fight you on it. I'm just going to tell you, God bless you. But if you don't believe that the King James Bible is what we should use, then you probably need to find a different church because we're not changing. And, and we love you and we thank the Lord for you. But once you start changing the Bible, boy, it's never ending. And it was the Bible. And there were some people that didn't believe that we should have some guidelines for the workers in our ministry. 
And by the way, isn't it interesting? We have guidelines for our workers in the ministry here. Guess why? Because you got to draw a line somewhere. And by the way, everybody's got guidelines. Everybody's got some kind of guideline. It's just they didn't like where we had drawn the line. And we said, God bless you. I didn't say it. My dad said it. You know, I was back there like, yeah, good job, dad. Um, but we love them. But, but this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. If you notice in our choir, there are some guidelines. If you notice for our Sunday school teachers and you notice for uh, those who teach Sunday school, there's some guidelines that we have. You say, oh, do you think you're better than everybody else? Oh, no, we know we're not. But we're trying to set some kind of an example and we, we certainly want to point people to Christ. We certainly want people to think there's a church that's trying to be holy, not a church that's trying to be like the world. And then the other, the other thing that, that those particular folks, and they're wonderful people, God bless them, I love them. Um, but those people, they didn't think that we should be so conservative in our music. They said, you know what? There's a lot of good Christian stuff. Boy, we could have all this. Back then, it, we called it the CCM, the Christian Contemporary Music. And my dad just said, he said, we love you, but we're not changing. Amen. We're going to be conservative. We're going to have our music that is more what we would call traditional and say, this is where we're at. And, and we're not going to change. And I remember when those people left, and this was before the Schnurs ever came to the church. This was before the Wilhites, long before they, not long before, but before they ever came. And uh, so it wasn't one of these families, in case you're wondering. Um, but I remember my dad, I remember asking him a week or two later, I said, Dad, how are you doing? He said, you know, he said, we don't ever want to lose people. We love people. We want to reach people. We want to help people. He said, but I'll tell you this, there's been a liberty. And there's, there's been a spirit of freedom. He said, when I'm preaching, and he said, I, I, I just, I feel like the Lord was pleased with the decision that was made and the stand that we took. And can I tell you, there's a freedom that comes from living by the word of God. Not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to agree with you. As a matter of fact, some people, they're going to be so upset and so irate that you are so narrow-minded and you just, I can't believe you are so, uh, uh, so, uh, so harsh and so hard and so narrow. I like what I've heard some preachers say. Uh, we we want to be as narrow as this book right here. This is our guide. But there's a freedom that comes from Christ. There is a freedom that comes from knowing the Lord. I'm glad that we have been set free from the penalty of sin, from our past, from problems, and from people. Maybe there's some people in your life that are driving you crazy. And I tell you, God can give you the victory and God can give you freedom. I'm not saying those people are going to move away. I'm not saying those people are going to quit their job and you're going to have new coworkers. But God can give you a freedom. God can give you a liberty in the midst of your situation. Number six is freedom. Number seven is the word fearlessness. David said in verse 46, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. I wonder this evening if you had an opportunity to speak before a king or before a queen or before a president or a, a senator or a representative or a governor, I wonder if you had that opportunity. I wonder what would you say? Well, what would be the first thing that would be on your mind to speak? David said, if I get to talk to kings, I want to tell them about what another king has said. I want to tell them what God has said. 
and I'm not ashamed of it. He said, I don't care if they like it or not. I don't care if they accept it or not. He said, I'm going to stand before kings and I'm going to be fearless. I'm not going to be ashamed of the word of God. Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There are some things you should be ashamed of. There are some things that I should be ashamed of, but we should never be ashamed of Jesus Christ and his word. Proverbs 29, the Bible says, the righteous are bold as a lion. Paul said in Philippians 1 that I want to, with all boldness, I want to magnify Christ in my body. Again, not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to accept it. But our job is not to make everybody like it. Our job is to deliver the message of the Word of God. Can I tell you, if you get some mail tomorrow in your mailbox and it's addressed to you and you don't like it because it's a bill and you don't agree with that bill and you don't think that that bill is right, don't argue and yell and scream and kick the mailman. It's not his fault. He just delivered the message. Can I tell you, we are the messengers. And if people don't like the truth and if they don't like the message, then they can take it up with the one who sent the message. But we must deliver the message. Number eight, I want you to see in Psalm 119, David said in verse 47, I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Notice that word delight. David said, I will delight myself because I have loved your commandments. Not only did David have freedom in Christ, and not only did David have boldness, but he also had a love for the word of God. I love that song we sang, Brother Nathan. We sang it, probably we sang it, I don't know if we sang it too much, but a couple years ago, I love the old Bible. Our theme was the Word of God. It seemed like every Sunday night we sang that song and the Bible stands. And, but, but I hope you love. I hope you have a, a fondness and a fervor and a passion for the Word of God. I hope you love it. I hope you delight in it like David did. If you love the Bible, you will love the God of the Bible. And if you love the God of the Bible, you will love the Bible. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then I want you to see number nine. This is what we talked about during the song service. I want, I want you to notice the feeling. Verse number 48 is an interesting verse because David says, my hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Would you turn with me back to the book of Nehemiah? Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, then Job and Psalms. Look with me at Nehemiah chapter 8, if you would, please. This phrase, lifting up hands, is found throughout the Bible. It's found many times. I'll show you a few times. But this idea of lifting up your hands, in some cases, it speaks about reverence. Now, we'll see that in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 6. The Bible says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. 
you see here that they're, they're lifting their hands, they're saying amen, and then they're bowing their heads and they're worshiping the Lord. So when we talk about lifting hands, we're not lifting hands to praise man. We're not lifting hands for the attention of man, but we're lifting our hands in literal worship and reverence of God. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Psalms. Notice with me Psalm 28. Psalm 28. In verse number 2, the Bible says here, the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. That word oracle here literally means the sanctuary or the temple. And David said there's times where I'm praying. And as I'm praying, I'm not in the temple, but I'm lifting up my hands toward the temple while I'm crying and praying to God. Now, I want to remind you, you don't have to wave your hands and lift your hands to get God's attention. If you're in school, you have to raise your hand to get a teacher's attention, right? Or if you're at a, a store or you're at a, a place of business, sometimes you got to wave and say, hey, I need to ask you something. But you don't have to wave at God to get his attention. But here, David says, I'm going to lift up my hands as I'm praying towards God's temple. Notice Psalm 63. Psalm 63. And verse number 4. David says this, Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Again, David's saying, I'm blessing the Lord. I'm praising the Lord. I'm, I'm trying to magnify God's name and I'm lifting up my hands. Psalm 134. Psalm 134. Notice here with me, if you would, another instance where it says in verse number two, lift up your hands. Now, this doesn't say toward the sanctuary or, or, or the direction of the temple, but it says lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. So here we see it. David is saying, while I'm in the temple, while I'm worshiping the Lord, I'm going to lift my hands. I want people to know and I want God to know that I'm worshiping him. Psalm 141, verse number two, the Bible says, let my uh, prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. He likens lifting up his hands to actual prayer. And then 1 Timothy chapter 2, we'll look at a place in the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And by the way, I'm not saying uh, that if you, uh, if you don't lift up your hands, you're not really praying. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying if you don't lift up your hands, you're not really praising. But what I'm saying is that David is talking about a reverence and a worship and a praise and a prayer. He's talking about some feeling. You know when... Most people that I've been around, you know when most people lift up their hands? You know when most people say, amen? You know when most people that I, that I know, they start, to, they start to weep some tears of joy? It's when there's a feeling. It's when God's working on their heart. Uh, and uh, by the way, not everybody is like that. Not everybody cries. Not everybody says amen. Says amen. So they don't say it either, but they don't say amen all the time. Not everybody lifts their hands. Not everybody does those things. But here's what I'm saying is there ought to be something at some point in your life, in my life, there ought to be something where there is some kind of feeling. 
If God is real in our lives, then there ought to be something going on on the inside. God did not create us to be robots. God did not create us to be mechanical creatures with no feeling and no emotion and no joy and no, no tears and no happiness and no sorrow. God created us with that emotion. And when it comes to worshiping and praising God and thanking God, there ought to be some feeling. First Timothy chapter two. We didn't look there yet, did we? First Timothy two. Did you get there yet? I'm not there. I'm there now. First Timothy chapter two, verse number eight. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up, what's the word? Holy hands without wrath and doubting. Can I tell you that verse right there ought to tell you that we don't lift our hands for show. We don't lift our hands just to try to impress people, but we lift our hands to a holy God and there ought to be some holy hands and there ought to be some holy hearts that say, I want to worship and I want to rejoice in what God has done. David said in Psalm 119, he said, my hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments. He said, I love your word. God, I reverence your word and I respect your word. And when I hear your word, I just can't help but lift up my hands and praise God for the fact that I have your word in my hands. By the way, David didn't have the New Testament. I think we know that. David didn't have the minor prophets. David didn't have the Proverbs. David didn't have the prophecy of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. David had... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He had those books and David said, I love it so much. I'm going to lift my hands in praise for the fact that I have the word of God. And lastly, I want you to see in verse number 48, the focus. David says, I will meditate in thy statutes. David said, I want to focus on your word. Turn with me, please, to one more passage. Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one, verse number eight. I love this verse. I, I feel like there's some verses like this. I feel like I quote or I reference often, but I, I hope this is a verse that when I say Joshua 1.8, I hope you're already in your mind quoting it. I hope you already have it memorized and I hope you know it and love it. Verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. This week, let's get our focus on the word of God. Let's get our focus off the news, off the problems, off the burdens, off the negative. And let's get our focus back on what God has said. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.